Welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. And you know what? We had kind of a quiet week last week. Unfortunately, I, Chad the Mark, had to be out of state. I was doing stuff with, you know, the job that actually pays the bills. Now we're back doing this job that pays no bills, only siphons money off of us as we try to just get our names out there. But I'm back with Mr. Brown. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Just watching the rain fall. It feels like for the uh, 83rd straight day. There's mudslides everywhere. It's not fun just looking out the window watching it rain. So, so speaking of just disasters happening, this show has been a um, – I'm trying to think of the right words, but it's it's definitely a laborious effort to make this happen tonight because they decided to shut down the busiest interstate bridge probably in the entire state, and I had to take a 30-mile detour just to come to our studios here at the Man Cave this evening. But I made it, damn it, and I'm here, and we're ready to do a show, right? Yeah, yeah. You were. I was on Eastern Time. You were on Pacific. I, I was definitely. It was a three-hour difference. Yeah, there you go. I left work at four o'clock. I'll be there at five. I mean, seven o five. That's what I. That's meant. what it was. <laughs> it was terrible. So we ended up losing one of our guests tonight, but we ended up hanging on to a guy named Dave Stevens. We'll talk to him a little bit later. Dave has an awesome story, and we can't wait to share it with you guys. Like I can't even stress how cool of a cat this guy is, but. We got plenty of stuff to talk to before we even get to Dave. And number one is, you know, we've had a Super Bowl since we've last talked. So the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, he's got a Lombardi trophy. He's got a big shiny ring now. How did you feel about the Super Bowl, Mr. Brown? I love Andy Reid. I hate everything else about the Chiefs because I'm a Raiders fan. I can't just cheer for the Chiefs, but I'm I'm semi-happy for Andy Reid. Um, but that's all I want to say. That's a, I mean – you get to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year, every year. Like that doesn't make you excited to be part of that. Have you have you seen his wife on social media? Yes, I have. She's, the, a, she's like a fitness model. No, she's out of control. She loves Patrick. She does. That's all you can say. They've been together since high school. Well, good for him, I guess. I'm trying to talk about the Super Bowl. All you want to talk about is Mahomes, uh, his girlfriend. Sorry, she's very uh, obnoxious. <laughs> you she's don't like, like it. She's like the rest of the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> so we we get to another game where the Chiefs decide to fall behind by double digits, but it doesn't matter. Is that is that like their MO now? Is that just what they're gonna do? I feel like everybody was shocked. Um no, not everybody. I, let me let me put let me take a step back. I felt like everyone had seen the script before except for the 49ers. Right. Like they didn't know what was about so to happen. They're all in the end zone posing. They're up 20 to 10, taking team pictures when they scored a touchdown, not knowing what's about to happen, not knowing that it's happened to every other team the Chiefs played in the playoffs. And, and it was the Groundhog's Day for the Niners shortly thereafter. It technically was. So it's, what, five days after the Super Bowl now? Like, I don't want to go ad nauseum to a, a certain degree where, you know, all the talking heads have already said what they're going to say. But my question to you is, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of people hating on Jimmy G and saying that he kind of cost him the game with that 3-for-12 performance in the fourth quarter. Do you feel like the blame should be placed on him? Do you believe in him as a Niners quarterback? Or do the Chiefs just outplay him and come back and win? I'm not putting it all on Jimmy G. I feel like the Chiefs are who they are. I feel like the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I mean, I think they would have done that to anybody. Uh, Jimmy G, the problem with him, though – he hasn't had to prove himself in the playoffs. And at that point, when you get down with the Chiefs, he had to either step up or get left behind, and the Chiefs left him behind. 
I mean, it's hard to go toe. In a situation like that, you're going toe-to-toe against the other quarterback, right? Right. And, and we all know Mahomes is like the best of the best right now. So, so I mean, you can't say, oh, it's Watson's fault. Tannehill had a career year. It's his fault. Now it's Jimmy G's fault. Maybe it's just Mahomes is that damn good. <laughs> He's just that much better that you can have everything go right for three quarters and still not win the game. I mean, you ask the Patriots this. Would they, would they rather have Jimmy G or Tom Brady next year? And I guarantee you they're going to say Jimmy G. They better. I, well, that's all right. Tom Brady's going to the Raiders. No, he's not. Shut he, up. He's Shut gonna, up. It's the Titans or Raiders. I'm I heard he was, he was looking you, you for You want to talk about Jimmy G, the beloved <laughs> Patriots to take him right now over there, you know, their godlike child, Tom Brady. Well, that's Raiders. why Belichick didn't want to trade him to begin with, right? Right, right, right. He drafted right. him right. to play. So The problem's not Jimmy G. No, and, and you know what? If you look at the game, Jimmy G actually put up Tremendous stats for the majority of the game. I mean, for the third quarter, through three quarters, he was toe to toe with Mahomes. Toe to toe, and, and then they, they both made some mistakes, but they both didn't do nothing too over the top to cause their team no, to lose. They both threw interceptions, but like they weren't like the god awful interceptions where you're just like, "What are you doing?" Like they were just oh, the one that Jimmy G threw was pretty bad, but he had I, pressure on him too. He did. He, just he was just getting it. rid of the ball, and he yeah, just made a. He bad was going to get hit. But that being said, he. Played well enough for them to win the game. It's just that, like, when it got to the fourth quarter, they were so worried about how much more the Chiefs are going to score that it's like they quit trying to run the ball. Like, they they abandoned, like, their identity on offense and what they do, and they just, like, Jimmy G got there and throw it a bunch. And that that's not really what got them where they are. But I don't know. I, are the Niners going to be back in playoff contention next year? Probably. I think the Niners are right there again in the NFC. I mean, why not? I'm not saying they're going to be there, but they're right in the mix. If anything, they might be better. Like a year to learn from this, you get you get the bumps and bruises. Like this isn't a Rams situation where you're not going to have them go on a workload management for anybody because they're scared they're going to get hurt after a $100 million contract. That's not what they're doing. They'll be fine. I mean, unless something crazy happens in free agency and then the draft, um, the Niners, I mean, I'd be shocked if they're not right there in the NFC Championship game again. I, I mean, I can't argue that. Yeah. My question is, is this the beginning of a Chiefs dynasty? What year do they have to pay Mahomes? Is that, that's coming they, up. They can get out of they can go one more year, I believe. I mean it could be, but then do you pay uh Tyree Kill? Do you, and they don't really have a running back. So you know? do you subscribe to the theory that if you overpay your quarterback that you're not gonna win anymore? Normally, yes. But we've saw that Mahomes can get any receiver. Just like for fantasy purposes, you get a receiver on the Chiefs, he's automatically elevated. Yeah, you're starting him. Right. So, I mean. I, mean, I played like their fifth string receiver this year in like five weeks. And you didn't blink, right? No, nah, I was like, I, if I had to split hairs, it's him or Tyler Boyd, I'll go with him. All right. So, I mean, normally, yes. Once the quarterback starts getting paid, there's less to go around. There are, there but in this case, how much better is Mahomes than the normal getting paid quarterback? And what can he do with restraints on the rest of the team and still lead him there? I think he needs to win another one before he gets paid. And I then don't know. go from there. Joe Flacco didn't have to. I'm just saying for a <laughs> dynasty purpose. Oh, for dynasty. Just not to get paid. He can get paid now. But that doesn't mean they're going to win dynasties. It just gives them more chance to have better supporting. Well, well cast. yeah, they they gotta they gotta go a couple. The only thing I'll say is that Andy Reid, who's only sixty one, like didn't you think he was older than that? I think because he's been around forever. He's been around forever. So I mean, 
in my head before you threw that number out, I'm thinking, you know, is there a chance that Andy Reid hangs it up because he finally won his title? Right. But I think he's probably going to ride it out and see how many he can win too. He's got at least another five years in him. I think he's going to uh, hang out with this uh, so-called dynasty and see if he's going to be a part of it. So my point is Andy Reid has been able to actually have successful teams over the past that have done much with like few parts. Like even those Eagles teams that went to all those NFC championships, do you remember their receivers? No. I'll tell you who they were. Freddie Mitchell, James Thrash, some other people that no one remembers. Well, here's what's funny. A lot of diehard Eagles fans that I know, they're like, Andy Reid can't win the Super Bowl. He never could win the big game. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, have you ever thought maybe it was McNabb and the freaking <laughs> Eagles culture? Maybe. Maybe it wasn't Andy Reid. But you know what? I've seen a lot of those. Got me home, I've so. seen a lot of those same Eagles fans, though, come out and be like, you know what? Good for you, Andy Reid. No, they wanted him to win. Don't get me wrong. Right. But they just but they felt like, like they had, had it in him. One, right? They didn't feel like they had it. He had it in him to get there. He was never going to win that Super Bowl in Philly. So he, bye bye. Right. But now he's got it. And. You know what? I think Mahomes is that type of quarterback that can probably win with any group of receivers. He'll just throw them open. It'll happen. It just helps having Tyreek Hill. Well, yeah, that's the, a little cheetah makes a big difference. I mean, we're not going to lie. Hell, for all we know, he might just get in the Olympics and never come back to football. Dude, I saw a thing online where they were showing like his high school like 100-meter uh, dash, like what he ran versus like Olympic athletes, and he would have finished like fifth. And that was then? That was in high school. So, yeah, I mean, he might not come back to the NFL. No, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Olympics, don't, pay, they yeah. don't pay very NFL much. NFL pays a little bit better. They pay a little bit better. Well, if it doesn't work out, you know where you could go? Where's that? The XFL. Oh, come on. <laughs> I had to segue somehow. I mean, he yeah, yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I see what you did. Just go ahead and go with it. It starts this weekend. Okay. Are you going to watch? Uh, no, but tell me who our favorite team is going to be. Wait, wait, why aren't you going to watch the XFL? All right, because we got all hyped up about the AAF. This is different. No, I, and I'm, I'm going to let you get into your whole spill. And then we had the XFL last time, He Hate Me, which won the hearts of millions of Americans across the living rooms Rod's, back then in 2001. He Hate Me. Uh, I just – don't think there's room for another football league other than the NFL to prosper, and it won't last five years. I am going to make my my bold take here. Yeah. And it's taken me a while to get here, but I've kind of seen the light. Okay. I've seen the stars align, and I'm telling you the XFL is going to last for 10 years. 10 years. At least. Okay. And if it lasts 10 years, then you watch it thrive. And it may always be – the third best league behind the NFL and behind college football, but it's going to be something. So I'm not going to get overly excited about the likes of Landry Jones and Connor cook and Matt McGloin and Sammy Coates and Aaron Murray and Josh Johnson. So is it essentially going to be the minor leagues for the NFL? Yes and no. I think it'll start that way, but how much money would you pay if you're the XFL if you could draw Andrew Luck out of retirement. Oh, a ton. All right. I'm not saying that's happening, but I'm just saying it's something to think about. Why would he go there? I'm not saying he would. But if you're if you're no, running that league. Coats. I'll go hang out with my daddy. But if you're well, <laughs> hey, that's part of that's why I'd go there. His dad's the damn CEO. <laughs> but outside of that, what I'm saying is it, it's an opportunity. It's an option. 
how many times here's here's where I'm saying it's going to work. First of all, you got to survive at least two years because here's what happens. Let's say the first year goes really well, and then you have some of these players like kind of show off, right? And your average salary is only like fifty thousand. Yeah, you're going to have some that make six figures and all that. But how many of those six-figure players might have a good enough year to where they can go be like maybe Matt McGloin can go be a backup quarterback in the NFL again. Maybe that's what he wants to do. The XFL is going to have to survive those players leaving. And backfill them. Right. Right. Like you're going to have to be able to do that because until you kind of assert a little bit of standing ground where you're not going to go anywhere, it's going to be hard to say we're going to pay you more to stay. Now, the one thing that that makes this different than the AAF is Vince McMahon. And let's be honest, the only thing that resembles the original XFL is the name. That's it. Everything else is completely different. And the owner. And the owner. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But but what's the difference between the AAF and the XFL so far? Where are the games going to be televised? I have no clue. On ESPN and Fox. For the XFL? Yes. Okay. Where were the AAF on TV? On uh, cable somewhere. On the Ocho, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you had to look for it. Yeah. All right, so they have that going for them. They're also, you know, starting a week after the Super Bowl ended, so people are still feeling football. They still think football, so it gives them kind of a natural transition point. They have some NFL names that we know about. I just mentioned some of them, you know. So Cardell Jones, I want to see what he's up to. Maybe I'll watch. There's there's nine teams. I'll get to that in a minute. Nine. Yeah, I got to explain that here shortly. But what's stopping the XFL from two or three years from now, if you're a college player, and maybe instead of making the jump to the NFL, maybe you're not good enough to get drafted, and instead of going to college, because we know you're not, you're not going to class, you don't want to, maybe I can go to the XFL. To I bridge can, the gap. And I can play there a couple years. Right. So maybe all of a sudden the XFL starts becoming a bunch of 21, 22, 23-year-olds who just haven't been able to get to their break in the NFL yet because of their age, and they come down here to the XFL and make a name. So you're saying it's essentially going to be like the basketball situation. Instead of going to Australia, China, those types of places, they're going to, going to be going here Cause to they get can't. their feet wet as a professional right. and then take the next step. Because you can't do that anywhere so else. Now drafting from the XFL. Yeah. From the Renegades. You know? I That'd mean, be impressive. But, I mean, why can't that happen? That, that's the thing. Like football, there's no other place to go. Yeah, like it's, right. it's, I mean, I get it. There's arena football. There's Canadian football. All right. Are those really dominating, you know, that much culture and talent away? No. So the XFL has an opportunity to do that. And as for many people out there that are like diehard college fans and their college players, maybe don't really get a chance in the NFL. Like I know I'm a, I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan. You are too. So if there were eight Mountaineers that didn't, they couldn't quite make it in the NFL, but they ended up falling into the XFL. You'd watch just, oh, absolutely. To see, just to see your former guys you used to watch in college. Well, not only that, and I agree with you 100%, but not only that, but we had just talked about, and this is baseball, but how many guys that are late bloomers that just like needed maybe like college, you get your to your senior and you're sure, done. Right. Maybe they needed a year or two more to blossom and be mature adult and have things figured out. Maybe it only took that year or two and then they were serviceable NFL players. Absolutely. They just had nowhere to go in the middle. So team nine. Okay. That is the name of the ninth team. There's an actual team called team nine. What? Yes. They're based in Dallas. They share 
facility with the uh, Dallas Renegades, but they don't play any games. But they practice, they condition. It's it's like a a farm team for the other eight teams. So if you have injuries, if you have people that maybe get signed in spring for an NFL roster, you have Team 9 that you can pluck players from that are out there staying fresh, staying active. Maybe you get cut from your XFL roster and you fall back to Team 9. It's a place for you to go and stay active. But there's eight teams playing. Correct. All right. But what a crazy concept that is. It is crazy. Like they, it's, it's got coaches and everything. It's its own team. They just don't play any games. Like coaches just just to keep the the players ready. Yeah, we're going in go the out. event. Yeah, we're just out there. It's it's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. You're getting caught up soon, son. Just keep staying that there. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's not the most you know fresh concept I've ever heard of, but it's pretty damn impressive. That they want to do that. So here's your teams. You I can't tell you who plays on who. I have no idea. But give me the team name, then we'll pick who I like automatically. I, do you want me to tell you the town too? Huh. Do you want to know the name of yeah, the team? Yeah, I got to know where they're out of. Are you sure you don't want to just pick by the name of the team? If you want me to, I will. I whatever. think I'd rather do that. Then do that. Don't say whatever. Humor me and Wh- just pick. Whatever makes you feel good. The Renegades, the Defenders, the Roughnecks, the Wildcats, Guardians, Battlehawks, Dragons, Vipers. Hmm. I like the Battlehawks, Vipers, and and the Roughnecks. You have to pick one. I'm going to follow you down this hole. Oh, you're with me. I'm. I have to for the sake of the podcast. I will support this in unison. I'm gonna go with the Vipers. The Vipers, because that's the best wrestling move in the history of wrestling. <laughs> Out of nowhere, exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna follow. The Tampa Bay Vipers. I like it. All right. Who's their coach? I have no idea. Who, who does uh, Stoops coach? He's the Dallas coach. The Renegades. Oh, dang it. See, you made a bad choice, my friend. I didn't know. That's all right. We have to go to Florida. We're, we're with the Vipers. I wonder. I don't even know who their quarterback is. Well, let's just stick with them. Get some gear. Uh, you know, we never got our Birmingham Iron gear. Well, it's because the, sh- <laughs> the shop closed before we could. <laughs> Who owns the rights for that? We can probably make our own. Don't forget, you can find all the latest We Don't Know Sports merchandise online, too. Probably find you a Birmingham Iron Show. Well, maybe we should make one. Who's going to stop us? Exactly. So all I'm saying is the XFL is – I'm not saying it's going to be a runaway success, but I'm saying give it time. $2.5 billion owner Vince McMahon is determined to make this thing work. So does it start in like two days? It starts Sunday or Saturday. I don't know. I'll watch it just because I want to see the rule changes and how it plays out. Especially with like the conversions and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I want to see that. It, it, it's interesting. I hope they get good crowds. I hope they get good ratings. You know, and, and honestly, this is the best time of the year to start. You've got me until baseball starts. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's look, you're bridging the gap between football and baseball season, essentially. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, it's, it's perfect. It's great. All right. So here we go. Tampa Bay Vipers. We're all in. We're going to get our jerseys. We're going to get our gear. We're going to fly to Tampa. I don't know where they play. They probably play at some hospital. At least I picked a good place. I mean, yeah. we can go. I mean, it's going to be February. Treasure Island, sell. baby. Treasure Island. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, fire the cannons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I say this all the time. It's February 6th. And when most people listen to this, it'll probably be February 7th. And here we are still talking baseball. 
we have a blockbuster trade. I, I know they're still ironing out the details. It looks like the twins are trying to figure out what player or whatever they're going to let go. But Mookie Betts is now a Los Angeles Dodger. What does this mean for the Red Sox? What does this mean for the Dodgers, Mr. Brown? After the Red Sox, they had to do it. I mean, because... Did they? Absolutely. Why? Well, they weren't re-signing Mookie. Well, <laughs> that's $27 million for an arbitration contract is uh, pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, but they knew... They Long knew term. They knew long-term that he wasn't going to sign because they said, here's $300 million, and he, he countered with $420 million. <laughs> when you're off over $100 million, you're not going to sign the guy. You're saying that's a disparity. A little bit. So <laughs> if I was a Red Sox fan, I wouldn't be upset about it. So it's funny like you bring that up because like your Boston sports writers, there's two camps. This is the best thing the Red Sox could possibly do, or – this is the worst trade in franchise history, which is stupid because, you know, they traded away Babe Ruth. But yeah. what do I know? The Red Sox, is, is their main goal just to get underneath that salary cap penalty? Is that is that all they're trying to do? Because they got rid of David Price, too. Like, they traded Mookie Betts on a flyer and then somehow got the Dodgers to agree to take on David Price as well. The Red Sox got into a bad problem, and and uh, John Henry the, Bra or the Braves, the Red Sox brass came out today and actually was open and said, "Listen, if we'd have made better decisions in the last two years, we wouldn't be trading Mookie Betts today." He said, "But we won a championship. We started throwing money at everybody, and now we're in the spot that we're in, and it wasn't good money." So. They were like, we're going to pay Chris Sale $30 million a year. We're going to pay Mookie Betts, you know, 27 and, you know, the money he's making now. David Price, close to $30 million a year as a starting 30, pitcher. $32 million. So you have two starting pitchers making more than the Pittsburgh Pirates 60, make. $60 million. For, for the, just, <laughs> the Pirates payroll is $45 million. They're, just those two pitchers making, making more, more than the whole Pirates team. All the Pirates. So <laughs> – <laughs> they they got in there and they got like very uh reckless. I guess is the best word. Fast and loose. They're reckless. That was and terrible. So I feel like they felt like they needed to uh let's change gears and let's start over. Now they have a good team. They're not completely tearing it down and starting over, but they had to clear themselves out of these contracts. And if I was a Red Sox fan, I would be tickled to death that David Price is now off the books because uh, he can't stay healthy, and his best years are definitely they're, behind they're him. They're done. They're behind him. And, and I find it ironic that when you do the math, so the trade was they 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 got some they got a pitcher. I don't know the Twins are involved. We don't know all the details, so I'm not even going to go over these these names yet because we don't uh, know. I got the names. Is it official now? Because the last thing I looked just a, just a couple of hours ago, they're saying that they're trying to reconfigure the Twins part of the the deal. It's a holding pattern because Gratterall uh, was the prospect from uh, the Twins. 100 mile per hour, 21-year-old pitcher. He's a pitcher that could be a reliever or starter, but they wanted him to be a starter, and there were some health concerns that came back on his uh, physical. So the Red Sox were like, we don't, we're not comfortable with what he's showing. Uh, we want compensated because there's medical issues. So now it's basically, um, which the Twins, they were involved. That's their guy. Right. It's like the, the Dodgers – come to the table and say we'll throw in an additional prospect just kind of get you to calm down i don't know if they have that prospect 
I mean, they do. They're just greedy with them. It's not going to be a prize prospect. They're just going to throw in a filler. Well, that's the thing with this whole trade. Like the Dodgers didn't give up like any of their top five no, or seven no. top prospects at all. Now, I think Verdugo is going to come in and have a great year in Boston. I truly do. He might. I think he's going to have a great year. He, I, I, he's not a bad player. No, I, I saw flashes in the pan last year, and he he was killing it. Like there was there was times he did really well. I think he could potentially bat three hundred. I think he get at twenty home runs, and that's solid. You'll take and, that. And but the only problem is he's so green. It's not something you want to lead him off in Boston because of the criticism and the pressure. Uh, so he might be a t- a guy that you might want to bat like six this first year. Well, so outside of all that, the thing that was probably the most remarkable for me is, you know, if you know you were texting with me the other night, I was really diving into these salary figures and whatnot. So the Red Sox, after all was said and done, their salary configuration was coming in at like $207.5 million, which the the uh, competitive salary cap clause, whatever you want to call it, I can't remember, the competitive balance tax was two hundred eight million, so they're like half a million dollars underneath it because they. It's like in Moneyball, we think so much of David Price, we're going to pay him fifty million dollars to pitch for somebody else. And I, I don't blame him. I mean, have you seen him pitch lately? <laughs> you pay fifty million dollars to play against us. I, I don't know. I mean, the nation's pissed, but I mean, I, I would be fine with it. That's a lot of money. Just to- If I'm the Red Sox, I'm with you. It's the right decision. You got it off the books. And a lot of people are saying, well, the Red Sox already cashed in, you know, 2020. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true either. You know, I, I think they're they're not as competitive as you'd like them to be if you're a Red Sox fan. But if you care about 2021 and 2022, then, yeah, you should be all over this. It yeah, makes sense. I got it. You're you're pouting because they traded him, and you could be competitive. But guess what? You are going to keep. Have him. you seen the Yankees on paper? <laughs> they have the chance to win 110 games this year easily with Mookie Betts. The Red Sox aren't stiff in 95. That's a reach. So screw Mookie Betts. Trade the guy. He's not getting his 420 million in Boston, and we're going to we're, we're going to start it over and try again. And maybe make better decisions to where we're not in this situation again with our next superstar. So, and, and here's the thing. You get what you can out of it. And, and even if all they got out of it was getting out of the David Price contract, that's a win, right? Absolutely. Because you aren't going to re-sign him. You're probably not winning a World Series this year with him. You know, so you got some prospects. You offloaded a huge salary, you know, concern. And now, you know, next year you're able to jump into it because instead of paying him $32 million a year, the only thing the Red Sox are on the books for is, what, $16 million a year now? That's all, right. they're, that's all they're responsible for. Right. Which, that's that's fine. So basically now next year, if they, depending on how they do this year, they can go out and look at any free agent they want and say, if that's our guy, we're going to go get him. <laughs> Maybe Mookie Betts only bets two seventy five this year. I can see it. And, and yeah. that then you can go out and resign him. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think this Mookie Betts thing is going to be what the Dodgers hoped it was going to be. You watch and see. I mean, they're all in on this year, which I feel like the Dodgers are all in on every year. Now, I'll tell you what bothered me a little bit, and maybe it only bothered me because of the old man, but Jock Peterson got dealt to the Angels in like the, the background noise of all this. And the old man looks at him as like Mr. L.A. He's been on the Dodgers so long. And he, he's past his prime. 
you know, but Mr. LA don't only bat against right-handed pitchers. Come on. <laughs> he, he never faced a lefty in his life. Well, he'll go to the American league now and see how he does. But I, I know uh, outside of that, the Dodgers really kept everything else together. They'll be in good shape. But I, I don't like them, man. Look at their lineup. I mean, they have a good one through six, and then it falls off. They're starting pitching. Kershaw, we saw what he can do in the playoffs. You've got Bueller, who's going to be good, right? Yeah. He's a, he's a tested guy. He is. They got rid of uh, Maeda, and they got rid Rude. of uh, Ross Stripling who people don't know about, but Ross Stripling has been a guy who's had great numbers for the Dodgers, starter, and then converted reliever for the last two years. Huge. Well, they got a Ryu, too. Yeah. Um, He's now in Toronto. Yeah. I don't like it. I'm telling you. They got David Price. They're going to win the West, (laughs) and he ain't going to stay healthy. I'm telling you right now, people want to talk crap, but Acuna will put up better numbers in a leadoff spot than Mookie Betts. You'll watch and see. Um. I'm I'm not gonna argue that. I'm just saying, and, and, and I, I like how you had to bring it home to the Braves there. Good job. No, I'm just saying. But but Mookie, I Betts, wanted to do that for fantasy purposes for all you <laughs> listeners, because he's the number one overall prospect, right? Right. Mookie's top five. Mookie's top five, and he, and he might be still that, you know. But I'm I'm not sold on him being that 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 type of guy. You know he he's had he's had a good run his first few years and then last year we saw him regress a little bit and you know what when you're in arbitration and you're in contract years like that's not the that's not the move you want to make Mookie let's just be honest like I know you got your 27 mil and and that's great for arbitration Uh, I don't is that the highest ever I think it is I think so I think it's the highest arbitration amount ever and now the Dodgers get to pay it and like he's not going back to the Dodgers right like he's just going to test the market Unless they show him 400 mil. Is he going to get 400 mil? I don't think so. So here's my last question, then we'll move on from this topic. Is Mookie Betts at least going to produce the type of season or he'll command at least $375 million contract? No. Hard no. Hard no. Hard no. Hard no. Got it. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a seven-time Emmy Award winner, a former college football player and former college wrestler, a former professional baseball player, a 20-year content editor for ESPN. He's also covered 11 Super Bowls, three World Series, three Final Fours, more things than I can list here. We don't have time for all of it. He is currently a reporter for the Disability Channel and travels more miles in a month than I'll probably ever see in my lifetime. He is a legend, a motivational speaker, we're truly blessed to have him with us here tonight. It's an absolute honor to speak with Mr. Dave Stevens. Dave, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. You, you left out a key point, though. Um, I was born without legs, and I think that'll blow your audience's mind. They're like, how well, how can he play baseball and football and wrestling? But, uh, yeah, I was, I was born without legs in Arizona and uh, decided I wasn't going to let my disability – uh, not be my ability. So I just decided to start playing sports and figured out how to play sports. And, and it led me to amazing, uh, careers in college and professionals and then a, a career at ESPN. So I'm, I'm really happy to be with you guys. So thank you for having me, man. We're, we're truly, uh, thankful that you took some time because we know you've been busy. Like where were you at last week? Last 10 days, I was in uh, Miami at the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a tremendous week. And I also had a, uh, Nub Ability Camp, which is a charity that I work for that we put on baseball camps and sports clinics for kids 
like me who are limb different, like Shaquem Griffin, who's missing an arm, like Jim Abbott, who's missing an arm, and just showing that people who are missing arms and legs can have opportunities to play able-bodied sports. And it, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't played sports. And a lot of these guys, uh, they look at us differently, and the, and they're shocked that we can do things. But uh, yeah, the Super Bowl was amazing. Did a lot of interviews on Radio Row with a lot of big-time celebrities. Played in an all-star football game with some NFL guys, and uh, it's truly, I'm I'm so blessed that at my age, at age 54, I can continue to, you know, combine my life, my speaking, and all of my uh, charity work, and uh, just continue to show people that you can do anything in life if you put your mind to it. So, so a couple of things I want to ask you about real quick. Uh, for one, you said you're 54 years old, right? Yes, sir. All right. So, to me, that part in itself is quite amazing because you know we. You know, we're, we're a society that can evolve over time. And, you know, we're definitely more in a situation where we give people chances now. But when I'm looking back, like you were in the high school, you were in high school in the what, late 70s, early 80s? Uh, 80 to 84, I was in high school. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's a completely different time than now. So you're <laughs> out there doing this stuff. Like, what was it like then to try to convince people, like, no, let me, let me on the field, let me play, let me wrestle? Like, I'm, I'm the guy you need. Just give me a chance. It was uh, it was different because nobody in Arizona, and you're talking 1980, had ever done anything like this. And I don't think there's been many since, you know, anywhere. There's there's a few here and there where you hear about a, a wrestler with missing a leg or, you know, something like that. But I guess my extreme case, there's never been anything like that. I'm really proud of that, actually, because, you know, I, I had to overcome parents saying stop taking time away from coaching my kids and you know how can a guy without legs beat my son out in baseball and you know all those things that you think about but um you know when you're on a team by team basis you have to earn your your keep and it's like coaches aren't going to put a legless guy in a situation if it's going to hurt them and i don't know why my baseball coach said hey let's stick this kid in right field i mean that makes no sense but there i was without legs you know i set the state record for walks in a career and uh in in baseball and i you know played a lot of football and took it to the college level and you know minor league baseball so you know my my mantra has always been don't tell me i can't do something because i always try to figure out a way to do it i played basketball i played floor hockey i played volleyball like everything i've done i've had some successes at if i just work hard enough and uh you know, coaches that believed in me in Arizona and Wickenburg, Arizona, were a key part of my life, and I wouldn't be where I am today. But you know, coaches that that nowadays probably would have too many parents screaming at them, saying this is wrong, and you're taking away from my son, and you know the things that I went through in my career as far as bullying and things too. I mean, I can talk about what my teammates did with me. You know, they take my artificial legs and stick them up in the bleachers and put them in the rafters of the locker room and. They would do all kinds of stuff to me, and nowadays they might get suspended where I look at it as being accepted. It was part of inclusion where I was one of the guys where they were just going to do pranks on me, and I did a lot of pranks on those guys. So you said you weren't sure why they, they played you in right field. Well, you just said you had the state record for all-time walks. I think that's <laughs> a pretty good indication, right? <laughs> so I guess my – you know, from, from what I've seen from you, because I've seen your batting stance, and, you know, it's got a – it's got a good look to it. I, I will give you that. But when you talk about not, um, you know, having any legs and and the uh, the artificial, uh, you know, limbs that you might use or whatever, like you literally have like hardly anything there. Like it's not like kneecap or halfway shin. Like it's like almost no legs at all, right? 
Yeah, I mean, for for your listeners or viewers, if they ever want to go to my YouTube page, you go to Dave Stevens Speaks on YouTube, and you can look up the old footage of me playing. You know, there's tryouts with the Dallas Cowboys. There I am pinch hitting for Daryl Strawberry in a minor league game. Um, I have little flippers. One foot has four toes. One has two toes. And I used to be able to run on those and kind of propel myself. And I guess, you know, again, if you're trying to envision this in a podcast or can't understand it, it's like a chimpanzee would run kind of back in the day. That's how I would. Um, now I'm so a little older and a lot fatter and I'm not as fast. And, uh, you know, I, so I can still go and I work out with minor league teams and I'll hit a ball and occasionally I'll jack one that feels good and drive it, you know, deep into the outfield. And you get those oohs and ahs by the minor leaguers that come over and want to see you play. And I've been blessed to work out with Tim Tebow and, um, I was just with uh, uh, Jorge Polanco with the Minnesota Twins this past weekend where they come up and they want to see you and watch you. And it's like, well, I'd rather watch you. You know, it's so it's fascinating. You know, I ran into Big Poppy, David Ortiz. We used to work out when he was a New Britain Rock Cat up in Connecticut. And we caught up at the Super Bowl. These people. And like I said, I've been very blessed to, you know, I, there's there's a, almost like a Dave Stevens game uh with um that six degrees of kevin bacon because i've had experiences like it's cool they can say okay so-and-so's got traded boom i'll pull up a picture of me and him or you know so-and-so did this and i already did an interview with him and um i've had experiences all my life with career you know spanning 30 years in tv to have interviewed michael jordan and and appeared on that's incredible with a four-year-old tiger woods and there's footage to back that up of this little punky, snotty-nosed Tiger Woods and me on the same that. <laughs> so, um, like I said, it blows the mind, that, but I'm glad I have the visuals to back it up. Because if, if you just said, there's no way a guy without legs tried out for the Dallas Cowboys, it's like, well, go to the video. It's like all these things that would blow your mind. You know, Chad, you've seen, you've seen some of them. And the interviews that I continue to do with the Disability Channel, it's just been amazing as far as coming full circle when i was 15 wanting to be on tv and now at age 54 sitting down with grok sitting down with russell wilson having a relationship with shakeem griffin uh you know and these guys open up to me um you know with my my interviewing style is a lot like howard stern without the penis and booby reference and stuff <laughs> it's like i try to do my homework and i try to get one or two things where you know i was sitting with brian billick on radio row and i'm like hey i heard you left air force because you were six foot eight and they weren't going to let you jump planes and he opened up in this story that most people didn't know that yeah he he wanted to be a bomber he wanted to fly planes like in top gun but because the cockpits were too small he quit and went to college at a different college and played tight end and then ended up liking it and wanted to be a coach and then the, the rest is that history so you know you guys do the same thing you do your homework and when you do that you can get the best insights not hey do you think you're going to win the game or you know i hope you know that DUI is that going to reflect on the rest of the team and you know you can get that crap from ESPN but if you look truly for the heart for the motivation it, it's I can't even explain why these guys have sat down with me and I get interviews I get one-on-ones that nobody's supposed to get and it's it's been amazing to experience that even you know at, at my later stages of golden years of television 
Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, and you're 100% right. Like, you can turn on the TV any any hour of the day and see the talking heads talk ad nauseum about whatever is happening in the world of sports. But, you know, when you start really getting to know people, and, and I hate to, you know, use the cliche term like a human interest story or whatever, but you're actually taking the time to get to know people and, and finding out a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm sure, like, when you ask Brian Billick about, you know, the Air Force and being in the cockpit, like, he's probably like, whoa, this – this guy actually paid attention to who I am. This is a little different. Yeah, and you, and then they become your friends. Lee Steinberg, now a friend of mine, and we talked about you know uh, Patrick Mahomes and what a great player he is. And then Lee opened up about his alcoholism, and I had uh, Eric Hippel on uh, Radio Row, and Eric started talking about he. Uh, we talked about his depression and his son killing himself. And then he opened up about he jumped out of a moving vehicle at seventy-five miles an hour trying to kill himself. And the struggles with what football players go through. So you can have so many great conversations with people if it's not always about the same humdrum day in and day out things. And I guess to your point, the 10 days in Miami was great because I didn't know anything about what was going on in Congress with the trial or anything like that. We were kind of. You know, also out of the mix on the Kobe Bryant situation, which kind of overshadowed in a in a real tough way that week. So, uh, you know, sometimes when you look for the good in people, you can really find even better, and they'll tell you about their motivations and the insights of who inspired them. And you get, you know, like Howard Stern gets people to say things they wouldn't normally. You know, you can get athletes and entertainers just treat them with respect, and and they'll they'll stay friends with you. You're you're 100 right, and that's that's why we have you on here is because you know we think you have a absolutely awesome story to tell, and we're just trying to get to know you a little bit better, and hopefully we can call each other friends by the time it's all said and done if we don't piss each other off too much. <laughs> uh, but uh, so let me let me ask you this, you know, back going back to you in in high school, uh, so wrestling was a big big thing for you too, and I can only imagine like the like. I, I'm going to give you some props here. I'm going to tell you, I think you almost may have had an unfair advantage with all the leverage being down so low. But that being said, don't you have a wrestling state record as well? I had uh, I had uh, I had the fastest pin at my school for a long time, and I had the most most takedowns in a season uh, my senior year. And you're right. Like I struggled early and I wanted to quit because I had failures. And then I started figuring things out and my coaches would work with me extra after practice. And then I started to go, okay, yeah, I have the advantage because I know how to wrestle against you leggies, you guys, but you don't know how to wrestle against a guy with no legs. And so then I really started turning that into my advantage. And I beat a four-time state champion who got to be on a Wheaties box in Arizona. I mean, I, I like I, it was amazing my senior year to get so good. And then I tried to do it in college when I went to Minnesota, which is a you know Arizona wrestling compared to Minnesota wrestling. It's like Division three versus Division one. There's oh, not that's even the, that's the Holy know. Land for wrestling, right? Yeah. And I got to Augsburg, and they said, "Oh, let's go wrestle in this Bison Open tournament." And I'll never forget. I got drawn. It was an open tournament, so you're unattached and clubs and things like that. And I, my first match was against an Olympian, pound Olympic medalist. And so first period, 0-0, zero, zero, we're moving around. I'm thinking, hey, look at this. I'm 0-0 zero, zero against Olympian. I'm not. I'm kind of hot crap here, you know. <laughs> and second period, he picked up uh, on top. For those who don't know wrestling in wrestling can choose to be on top of your opponent with them kind of on their hands and knees since i'm not on my hands and knees i always like being on that bottom position but he literally picked me up 
turned me upside down and stuck me on my head and gave me kind of a knockout type concussion and 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 stuck me and that was like the real welcome to college wrestling so you know i i know my limitations and i still wrestled for a latter part of that year but i then ended up focusing on college football and i couldn't do i wasn't a you know a legless Deion sanders i couldn't do all the same sports in college but uh wrestling was probably my favorite because i didn't have a handicap or disability that you know would hinder the team or it was it's one-on-one you you know i win or i lose it wasn't based on my not having legs it was based on figuring out how to pin or get my opponent down and stuff like that so uh i i really uh, i really wish i had wrestled longer maybe at a different college or something like that where i could have uh, figured things out well what got you to, to minnesota from arizona what what made you end up making that decision well, it was uh, I, I was on a TV show called That's Incredible back in the '80s. It was a uh, kind of a hodgepodge of crazy things and you know unique stories, and it was before the internet. So this was where they had a collection of all these crazy little things, and I was on that show. And a guy who owned a TV station in Minnesota heard me say I wanted to replace Howard Cosell and play professional baseball. So he said, "Would you like?" <laughs> That's to, not like, ambitious like, at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's on YouTube. Those quotes are on YouTube. So uh, I went to Minnesota uh, my junior year of high school and worked the summer in local TV. And then a guy happened to see me in a uh, National Enquirer centerfold playing baseball. They called me Kid Dynamite. They made up this whole story about, you know, I, I was happy to be a centerfold. But, like, you know, in a tabloid, it's not too impressive. But um, he, he was walking in a, in a – uh, uh, grocery store and saw it, opened it up and said, I don't believe this story. And he drove up to Wickenburg and saw me. And just by happen, just coincidence, he wanted to send me to college in Minnesota at Augsburg. So I had a TV job and a college scholarship all in the same state, you know, 2,500 miles from home. So I ended up going to there, um, for a while. My mom died the day I left for college. And I, I, I couldn't handle it. I went back to Minnesota. My dad died a, a year later from brain cancer. It was for like a year or so of doing cocaine and just doing the wrong things. And then uh, one day I just uh, I was coked out of my brain sitting in a jacuzzi, just looked up at the sky and thought all these people that believed in me and that thought this kid was special and I had something to prove. Uh, I knew I was letting everybody down. So I called the TV station. I called this college and I, I got to go back in 1987 and I have been, you know, clean and sober from from drugs uh, since then, and everything has just kind of gone, you know, uphill downhill sometimes. But for the most part, uh, it's been, it's been a great ride, and I, I would never want anybody to go through those kind of things. I don't talk about that a lot um, because kids don't understand the things that I go through. Adults can understand the concept, but uh, sometimes, you know, kids don't, you know, they don't really understand drugs and 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 what you know the pressures we face with legs, let alone no legs. So, I mean, it just shows that nobody's immune to those things. And, you know, that, that's uh, that, that's kind of what defines people. You know, it shows that you were able to face the adversity and kind of rise above it. So How you do know, you balance back? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, everybody likes you when things are going well. But, you know, you just talked about losing both parents and, and you know, trying to kind of find your way in this world after that. So, you know, props to you for being able to figure it out. And you've turned it into uh, really a hell of a career since then. You know, looking at, um, you know, some of the let, – let's stick with some of the athletic stuff for a minute. So talk about uh, your time with the St. Paul Saints a little bit and yeah, and kind of how, how that kind of manifested and what you did while you were there. 
Well, I was a uh, you know being in Minnesota and St. Paul, I was you know I I've always wanted to you know play professional baseball, and uh, it started you know in high school when I got invited to uh, try out for the Olympic baseball team, and uh, you know there I was in the same outfield with Odubi McDowell and Barry Bonds in Arizona, you know, and I had a little run in with Barry Bonds when we were coming off the field and Odubi McDowell said, Hey man, would you like a piggyback to take you to the other field? And I was like, yeah, it's a far walk. Yeah, sure. So I was much skinnier. So, you know, guys could just kind of throw me on their shoulders and we started walking and Barry Bonds is like, Hey man, why are you wasting your time carrying him? He's not going to make the team. Don't waste your energy. Put him down. And you know, they were at Arizona state university in college. So, you know, we didn't know who Barry Bonds was, the hitter in college and i said to Odubi, i'm like hey man i don't want to come between teammates but you know you just just put me down he's like that's just barry being barry man he's an ass and we just kind of went on our way and i've hated barry ever since that day and i've you know, kind of got to him but you know i always had that dream and i didn't make the team but i finished 13th out of the 26 outfielders which again it wasn't based on not having legs you were assigned in rated numbers and hitting and all those kind of things. So, um, but to get back to your point with the Saints, I was I would go visit St. Paul Saints manager, and I would talk to the owner who was Mike Veck, whose father Bill Veck um, hired a midget or a little person back in the '40s to have one at bat. His name was Eddie Goodell, and he had one at bat in the major leagues. I remember. And, we know that story. Yeah. Yeah, and then they banned him, and so I always thought it would be kind of like retribution to Mike if he let history repeat itself, but. I wasn't up there for a walk and, you know, we went back and forth and finally I moved to Minnesota uh, to Connecticut. And then just as I moved, he's like, you want to come back, come back for three weeks. We'll sign you to a contract and we'll, you know, you'll start in a game. Little did I know that three days later they signed Daryl Strawberry and Jack Morris. And so I go back to St. Paul and Daryl was, you know, going through a lot of stuff with, you know, tax issues and, and things, personal issues. But all eyes were on him. They had New York media. They had national media covering him. And all of a sudden, this legless dude comes walking out of the locker room. And all cameras just went and started, you know, following me and doing stories on me. And Daryl said that he was ready to quit that day. And then he saw me, and he was motivated to play again, and we became friends. In fact, I just talked to him when we were at the Super Bowl. We we stayed friends to this day, and we had this amazing bond because I kind of took the pressure and the spotlight off of him where he could do his thing. And he got back to the big leagues, you know, and won a couple of World Series with the Yankees, and um, you know, and and he he took the right way. Doc Gooden didn't always take the right way, but Daryl's doing great. He's, uh, he's, uh, you know, doing great in his church. He's a minister and he's traveling around and, and doing great. He's got a, I think three rehab facilities, the three best rehab facilities down in Florida and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to play baseball. I, I uh, started at second base. Um, you know, I let off a game. Um, I, I pinch hit for Daryl strawberry in a game where he had three home runs and not many people can say they pinch hit for Daryl. <laughs> Um, how, do, but, how do you make that decision as a manager? Like, well, like we're taking you out, Daryl. Straw made the decision because um, <laughs> uh, he had hit three home runs, and I we were in Madison, Wisconsin. I wasn't expecting to play. It was nice to go along for the road trip. And he went to um, Marty Scott, who was the manager, and said, hey, Skip, I've had a good day. Let Dave hit. And Marty's like, you don't want to hit a fourth home run? And I'm like, <laughs> you don't want to hit a fourth home run? And so in my mind – it's like this surreal uh, episode of Homer Simpson. I don't know if you guys are Simpsons fans where oh, yeah. Oh, 
Remember the baseball player softball team where they stacked the deck? Oh, with they, they brought in all the ringers, right? Yeah. And I just remember now batting for uh, Daryl Strawberry, Homer Simpson. <laughs> and I could hear that as I was walking the exact and it's like, now batting for Daryl Strawber, here's Dave Stevens. And the crowd's going, what? And I'm like, what? And I took a called third strike, and that wasn't a, a good thing, pinch hitting. But uh, it was amazing to just be a part of baseball history and, and to continue now to be able to still hit a ball and do some stuff with guys and show these guys that I can do whatever I can, even at my advancing age. Wait, how did you strike out? Where, where exactly do they find your strike zone? Or were you just swinging for the fences? You were just no, you were swing away. Uh, the uh, I swung I, I fouled off on that one. I fouled off like three or four pitches because the guy was throwing. A uh, guy's name was Rambo, and he was throwing in the nineties. And uh, I uh, I took a called third strike, which was probably right about here above my eyes. Which I have to give the umpires kind of that because that's actually my sweet spot is right at right at my eyes because I have to generate so much bat speed. <laughs> Easy without, to see, hard to hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so guys have a tough time finding my strike zone. Even even the pitching coaches, when I used to go out, uh, Joe Madden used to bring me down into spring training with the Rays, and, and I'd be, you know, David Price and those guys would be trying to throw batting practice to me, and they would just be like, you know, what what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, just, just kind of throw it over the plate, and, you know, I'm not here to <laughs> make you look bad. Um, but, uh, you know, just the, the way that I've been embraced all these years and, all, and by people rather than just being a freak show, you know, I think one, my personality helps, and two, having some sort of ability to throw a ball and hit a ball, and and not just you know, you know, just be that that something something that you feel sorry for, or you know, stare at, or you know, can't respect. That's all I've ever wanted on the field is respect as an athlete. I mean, when you roll in there and you show them that you got the tools and you're you're doing what you do, and you're in the respect real quick, and ain't like you're just sitting here trying to be a part of the show you're actually showing them you have the skills to compete that's a big difference you know you're right and i and i sometimes take that for granted um but i also now i know the managers when i'm doing this that they like their players to see it because you know hey what are you guys bitching about your ankle hurts exactly. your a little tender it's like this old man's out here ripping baseballs you know at his age <laughs> What, what's your excuse? And it's like, you know, that's that's what I want people to see in the day-to-day -day lives. You know, don't feel sorry for me. Just realize that there are people out there that have it way worse off than you. You know, I had to bring in two cases of water tonight on my skateboard, you know, a little bit at a time. People don't see the glamorous. They see the glamorous parts of my sports, but they don't see the day-to-day -day struggles as my body's breaking down and my arms are getting tired. And, you know, I was playing flag football last week with, uh, you know, some some uh, ex-NFLers, and, and, and I could feel it. Like I'm not as good as I used to be anymore. And the, there's that part of you when, when you should walk away. And I know I've far exacerbated my my uh, shelf life but uh you're not a young pup anymore Dave. <laughs> no, but it scares me you know the day-to-day -day stuff because i've got three boys that i have to you know they're 16 14 and 12 but i have to take care of and i've got to use my arms and i don't have legs to do these things so as i'm breaking down it really i'm taking for granted but i'm enjoying you know what i have left to try to to continue in the gas tank for as long as i can do it you know i'm playing Floor, I'm playing sled hockey, which is another great sport that I've just started picking up where now I can smash into kids half my age on the ice. <laughs> nice. I've seen that before. That yeah. does look quite exciting. Yeah, it's fun. 
right, so let me ask you this, because uh, I definitely want to get into, uh, you know, kind of how I found you and some of the stuff that's been going on here recently for you. But what's your favorite sport to play? Just straight up, what, what's your what's your passion? Probably baseball. I mean, it, it has brought me the most joy and the most fun and the most, uh, you know, from being a little kid in Arizona, you know, growing up worshiping Reggie Jackson, uh, not because he was a nice guy, but just if you see, I always wore number 44 because Reggie was always in the limelight, always looked at. He kind of had a chip in his shoulder. You know, it was that straw that stirred the drink. And, you know, he won World Series and, and did amazing things. And I always felt like, look, all eyes are on me. I'm a rock star, Chad. Everywhere I go, people are staring at me. It doesn't matter if I'm in a wheelchair, if I was walking on artificial legs, or I'm playing sports. They're always staring at me because I'm that white elephant in the room. You know, right. it's just uncomfortable. It's not something you – so I've always thought if I'm going to be under that spotlight, I need to shine. And especially in sports, whether it was football or wrestling or baseball or learning to shoot three-pointers in basketball in grade school and stuff like that. Like it was always that challenge to make people realize that, hey, this kid works so hard. He has to work two and three times harder, but yet he can do what we can do. And so uh, baseball has always been that where, you know, I learned to catch. I learned to play outfield. Um, I wanted to pitch. I got to pitch against some major leaguers and some ex-major leaguers down in Florida down a couple of years ago in a uh, all-star game. So I've, I've done everything and everything that has helped me has been a part of baseball and it continues to be now that I get to be a part of Nubability where we have these baseball camps and uh, you know I'll, I'll do this as long as I can uh, but I do feel like uh, the writing is on the wall. Well, I, I would, my advice would be maybe slow down a little bit because ever since I've started really paying attention to you, I, I think I first caught you at a Philadelphia Eagles game. Maybe, you know, it was just a video. You're in the end zone, like the game's getting ready to start, and you're you're getting ready to kind of give everybody a, a recap about what's going on for the game. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And then I started paying a little bit of attention. I'm like, my God, he's everywhere. And then, you know, as I was trying to chase you down to get you on the show – you're like, oh, I can't. I, I'm gonna be in the Super Bowl that way. And then I see you like you're the only guy on Radio Row. Like it's a it's a wasteland. Everybody's gone and you're just there all somber by yourself. <laughs> and there's nobody else left on Radio <laughs> Row, but there's Dave Stevens still holding it down. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that uh you know my uh, opportunities with the disability channel have been great to be, you know. I covered six NFL games this year. I covered two Sunday night games, you know. Um, and, and the weirdest stat this year is of every game, it didn't matter what game I've been in, hockey, basketball, football, and baseball, the away team has won every game. <laughs> the away team has won every game. And that included New England and Foxborough when I thought we were going to see Tom Brady, you know, beat the uh, Houston Texans. And, we appreciate uh, that. I mean, I, I mean, uh, yeah, Titans, the Titans, I mean, the Titans. Right? Yeah. Go to and, all the uh, Patriots away games, please. Yeah, you're in. Are you still <laughs> live in Connecticut? I do. Yeah. All right, so so Foxborough is not that far. You just keep going up there. Yeah, I, I should. I should. And uh, you know, um, Pete Carroll's like, "Hey, we're gonna have to give you tickets to a playoff game." He should have, but um, you know, so I, it's it's been great to just rub elbows and see all my ex ESPNers, and then I have people taking videos of me and posting videos of me doing interviews and stuff. And, and it goes viral. And, uh, my ultimate goal would be to actually make some money out of this. Right. Right. That's everybody's I, goal, right? I mean, because I don't get paid by the disability channel that people don't realize that, but 
everything I do kind of works around where I'm speaking or where I'm appearing for a charity. And then, um, you know, so, uh, people think I live, you know, this glamorous life, which I do. Um, but, but, uh, you know, the teams have been respectful. The NFL gave me the best table you could possibly have in radio row at the Super Bowl, front and center. I got to interview so many fun people and guys. I don't know if you saw my interview with, uh, Jorge Masvidal, the MMA guy. I, I, I didn't see the interview, but I saw the picture with you. Uh, with him. And then a- afterwards, he's like, so how did you wrestle? And just like you were, I was trying to describe to you, we got down right. and I put, and I put my hand on his arm and I knew the reaction that would happen. And he jerked his arm back and I grabbed his leg and I took him down in about two seconds. And it was just amazing <laughs> to see everybody's reaction in Radio Row and stuff like that. So I try to put people at ease and do fun stuff with these guys because, again, it, they're uncomfortable being around someone like me, too. You know, it's definitely odd when people probably do see you because, you know, it's definitely not typical, you know. But – it's one thing to, to sit there and have a conversation with people about how, you know, don't don't be afraid to give it your best. Work hard, overcome obstacles. But, like, dude, you are, like, decades upon decades of showing people this is a reality. So, like, it's literally putting your money where your mouth is. Well, you know, and, and in my life, it's not by choice. Like, I didn't choose to be born without legs. I didn't choose to be put up for adoption. I didn't choose – to have poor parents that adopted me that we moved, I think 13 times in my life, we moved, you know, from place to place. All right, so, so wait, wait a minute. So it's not even just the fact, like I don't have any legs, like that's an incredible story in itself. So like my wife, yeah. my wife's family, like they, they've adopted 11 children, you know, so I, I know how the foster system works and all that stuff. So that's, that's another hardship to have to fight through on top of that. Yeah. And and I go back to you know to the single house that we had last in my high school, and uh, I I drive by it to feel grounded just because you know to come from that kind of poverty and the odds that I've overcome, and then you know my adoptive parents dying, great tw- you know twenty year career at ESPN, but then in 2015 I got laid off with 500 other people. Yeah, like everybody so, at ESPN right then. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I suddenly I, everyone said, "Oh, you've got no legs. You've got the golden ticket. You'll never get fired." I'm like, "Son of a bitch, where is that now?" You know, like, and I did, and I had to reinvent myself. And there was an, a ten month period where I was driving from uh, Bristol, Connecticut, to Rybrook, New York, which was about, uh, depending on the day, it was eighty miles each way, but it was a three hour commute depending on traffic and stuff like that. I'd sleep in my car sometimes because they want me to work the next day and do a turnaround. And it just got to be too much. I was missing my kids. So everyone said, well, you've always motivated people just by living your life, become a motivational speaker. And so I started doing that and I got some training with the Zig Ziglar Institute. And now, you know, that's where I make my biggest impact is, is speaking to kids, speaking to schools, businesses. I mean, I speak to corporations, but when I talk to kids, that's the most impactful way. That's before they have prejudices of color and, and religion and all these ideals that parents kind of pop into their brain. And when they can, yeah. And so roll out on my skateboard on stage or whatever I do for my parents. And these kids are genuinely have never seen anything like me. And because I have the video over my shoulder to back it up, it, it's, it's something where they can understand that, Hey, it is okay to be different. It is okay to be unique. Cause I always say, being born without legs, that's my normal. You know, what is your normal? Your, your normal, you have a beard. You both have beards. That's your normal. 
not everybody has beards, you know. Those are nice beards, by the way. But, you know, we label things. We call people with a disability. Now, if your car is disabled, is that a good thing? No, not so, typically. Yeah. So why are we called people disabled? And if you have a handicap, you know, it's good in golf, but it's bad as a human being. And my and my third soapbox is like the Special Olympics. Like, I hate that word. I'm like, I don't want my kid to be special. Like, it should be like challenged or the hero athletes or some something that is that special is it's a 1960s term and we've gotten so you know we try to do away with all these words like i like limb different i think that's a great word for for people that describes because you know what i'm not handicapped i'm not disabled i've lived my life without legs and that's i, I want people to describe me as that's dave stevens without legs and he's a pretty good dude i don't want him to go <laughs> Oh, I feel sorry for him and what a horrible life he has and no legs. And I bet he wishes he had legs and I'll be the first person to tell you, I, I'm glad I, I don't have legs. I mean, there are the bad times, but you know, I might've been a garbage truck driver or a ballerina or who knows what I would have been, but you know, to have these challenges and to do the things that I've done that nobody with two legs will ever do in their lives is something that, that I'll take, you know, with me, you know, to my tombstone. Well, I mean, I, I'm still trying to determine how I feel about you calling me a leggy. You know, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you spent all that time down on on Radio Row. You were down at the Super Bowl. You know, I was going to ask you. You mentioned baseball was your favorite sport, but this uh, WWAFT I was reading about this this football thing that you guys do, where it's a bunch of um, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, people that have um, different limbs uh, with different things. I, I don't know what it is. But you guys are playing like former NFL players and and whatnot, and and the record is twenty one and zero. Is that right? Yeah, it's our it's a wounded warrior amputee football team, and it's uh, veteran men and women who've lost an arm or a leg um, overseas, and uh, they drafted me and brought me in and called me their half brother and let me play with them, and I've been with them for uh, 18 of the 21 victories. And I'm real proud that, you know, I, I play a little quarterback. I play a little defense, uh, you know, I'll, I'll fart around and, you know, do all kinds of fun stuff. And we have, we've had Kenny, May Kenny Main plays a lot. Snoop Dogg's been a part of our games. Uh, you know, uh, Vince Young, Ricky Williams. Um, we've had some, you know, Roger Staubach has played in our games. I mean, it's, it's been a veritable who's who of, uh, of NFL legends and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm so happy to, that I can go out there and be a part to help these guys to to let them feel a little normal and to deal with what they have to deal with with PTSD and all those kind of things. And it's it's been great. It's a tremendous night. The fans come out. Uh, you get to meet stars and people. And uh, I've, I've been blessed that uh, that BJ Gannam and, and these guys have let me be a part of their their veterans organization. That's awesome stuff. Let me ask you this: you you weren't able to go to the Super Bowl, you were at Radio Row, you kind of got stuck there, but you, you got a chance to watch it, I'm sure. So what was your take on the Super Bowl? How do you, how do you feel about what happened there? I was glad the, uh, for the outcome. I was really pulling for Andy Reid, and uh, it was neat to see him finally get his. Um, I also had a friend who was the defensive backs uh, coach, Sam Madison, uh, who used to be with the Giants, and uh, ran into him at, at uh, media night, and we reconnected, and so it was nice to see him. And then you know, I keep name dropping, but I'm, I'm friends with Lee Steinberg and Lee Steinberg is Pat Mahomes, agent. So, you know, it was kind of a trifecta of, uh, 
of things. I was worried until about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, but uh, still a great game, a great outcome, and I'm glad that maybe we have that new Brady dynasty that we, you know, we'll see Pat Mahomes um, kind of do that and fill that role for a couple of years because there's a lot of great young quarterbacks out there. Uh, the Ravens quarterback and and you know a lot of these young guys. It's I think it's reinvigorated the NFL to become a, a much faster league. Absolutely, and you, you could be right about all that, but uh, you know I think uh, we share the sentiment with Andy Reid. Man, we're glad he got one finally. Good for him, and uh, he can have the biggest cheeseburger he can find now. I know he wanted yeah. it. No, he he was happy. Uh, so it, let me ask you this too, just real quick. If you could tell me the three best interviews or, or best people you've met so you you've, you've name dropped a lot of people so now i'm actually going to force you to name drop here you know so I, over all these years all these different people you've talked to and whatnot like what give me a couple that just kind of stand out the most who are your favorite people to talk to or maybe who's left the you know we we're looking at you as a role model now i'm gonna tell you right now dave i'm walking away from this and you, you are somebody i look up to man like you're, you're making me really you know kind of analyze things a little bit and i appreciate that but so tell me who kind of motivates you who have been some role models for you and then who are some of the best people you've ever talked to over the years well um rob gronkowski was an amazing interview um i went up there to foxborough and uh, was in training camp of last year and uh we uh we hit it off and we talked and i was talking to him about hey my my butt's on the ground all the time what's the best way to get it clean and he kind of looked at me and i pulled out a bag of tide pods <laughs> pulled that out you know and he's like oh yeah and he you know, he autographed a Tide Pod and autographed the bag, and we had this great <laughs> conversation. And then three weeks later, I get pictures in the mail. Like, uh, Stacy James, their PR director, asked me for my address. And three weeks later, I got these two uh, 8x10 photos signed by Gronk. Hey, Dave, great interview. Thanks so much, Gronk, you know. And I'm like, what athlete does that to a journalist? And he ended up having me come back, and we did another interview uh right before the postseason uh, started, and I gave him a Christmas present. I gave him a University of Arizona sweatshirt because he was from U of A and I'm from Arizona, and we had that kind of bond. And uh, I'd say another one would be Larry Fitzgerald. I had uh, sat down with Larry, and Larry was from Minnesota. He grew up in Minnesota. He was a ball boy for the Minnesota uh, Vikings, and he stopped the interview, and he goes, I just want you to know what a big fan I am of yours. I know you played at Augsburg, and I know what you went through. And I'm just like, oh, wow. this is Larry Fitzgerald telling me he's a fan of me. So that really stuck into my mind. And I guess the third one would be um, uh, a toss-up between Russell Wilson and uh, uh, Shaquem Griffin is great just because missing his hand, we got to bond. But J.B. Smooth, the actor and comedian, has been really funny. Oh, yeah friends and we uh he he got me at last year's super bowl to get down i'm doing push-ups break dancing and stuff and uh really getting out of my comfort zone but i would say some, most of the a lot of the interviews that i do are with the lesser known people when you when you get guys to as i mentioned earlier to, to open up and you weren't expecting them you know like eric hipple and drew rosenhaus and 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 some of these players uh that just you know see me or have had have a brother or sister that has a disability and they want to open up to me more and i'd say you know you know the nfl and and the nba and mlb opening up their hearts to a guy without legs to be a reporter at my age and let me in with my fly-by-night equipment and stuff that wouldn't impress anybody but then turning out the content that i do that if you looked at my youtube channel you would be like 
that could air on any given TV station or anything because of the quality of the editing that I do on my phone, the graphics that I put into it, the cut shots, the movement, things like that. I, I'm very proud of that. So I, I you know, I, I like being able to wow people to say, hey, that dude is a complete package. You know, he can write, edit, produce, shoot. He can be good on camera. And, oh, yeah, he doesn't have any legs. You know, <laughs> he's so a, a five-tool player, baby. <laughs> Well, Dave, man, you, you are an inspiration, uh, at least to me. I know you are to a lot of people. So I know um, DaveStevenSpeaks.com, is that, is that still a website people can find your information yes. and all that? They can go to the website or they can follow me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at DaveStevenSpeaks, um, LinkedIn. And, uh, yeah, and the YouTube channel has all the good videos of, you know, Lots and lots of interviews. Uh, you want to watch me hike uh, down uh, Sedona Canyon. You want to see me, what it's like to be on an airplane or, you know, be at the beach or what I look like playing high school sports or college sports or pro sports. Uh, it's all there because I'm sure everybody's going, I don't believe any of this. All I can think about is you at the beach, like really freaking people out because they'll just think that your bottom half is buried. <laughs> yeah. like, don't even act like that. Don't happen. Shark, <laughs> shark. I come pulling out of the water. I saw I that came... picture. Yeah. I saw a picture of you in Florida where it looked like a shark ate your legs. You're messed <laughs> up, Dave. <laughs> well, brother, yeah. hey, it's been a pleasure having you, and, and I appreciate you fighting through some of the audio issues as we got through it. But, man, uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime. Anytime you got something big going on, let us know. We'll definitely share it out because, like, I I'm, I, I don't personally relate with your struggle, but, man, this stuff is awesome, and, and it, it inspires me. So I appreciate you. Chad and, and Mr. Brown, we all have our struggles. Like, you know, I always say we all have some sort of disability or something wrong with us, and we just have to figure out how you're going to overcome yours. Yours could be – you know, a sight problem or a learning disability. I mean, we don't always, just like you said, you don't see the inside of people. So you don't know we have day-to-day -day struggles. You know, it could be alcoholism. It could be drug addiction. It could be a parent uh, or a sibling committed suicide. We all have these things that we have to deal with. So you just have to figure out how you can overcome them. And hopefully people see me and go, hey, you know what? My life's not so bad. If it was, oh, if it was only that simple, we'd all be all right, brother. But <laughs> hey, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a good night, Dave. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. Well, today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to the show, the NBA trade deadline is done, come and gone, and we had some movement. And I'll be honest, I've been sitting in traffic all day or working all day, so I only know so much about what's happened. Mr. Brown, can you fill me in and educate me on anything that's of, of value here? What, what's happened today? Ah, uh, there's there's a ton of moves, uh, a lot of small ones too. But I was gonna focus on like the uh, the six biggest moves. Uh, one of them was yesterday, Clint Capella going from the Rockets to the Hawks. Now I saw something where the Rockets are like eight and one in the last nine games without Capella playing. Here's what's crazy, and I was I was really want to touch on this one for two reasons. For one, this trade for the Hawks is building for next year because the Hawks are obviously out of the playoff contention. They want to get a guy that can pair with Trey Young. I like it. You got Capella, Trey Young, and then you got uh, John Collins. All right, plays for the Hawks, so they got a nice little uh, team building there. Slowly getting there. It's it's too late for this year. So, take it a step further though on the on the Rockets' perspective, the big or the biggest guy they got back was uh, Covington. Robert Covington, he's six foot seven. So he's going to play power forward for the Rockets. 
And PJ Tucker is at six <laughs> six. The center is going to play center. <laughs> And they're fine with it. Right, because they've been playing that small ball lineup. And he now has uh, center eligibility in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. <laughs> Big him up now. So it's crazy. So, like, what team has played – like, they're taking small ball to a whole new level. I don't know how it's going to translate, but it, the big man of today's game is being taken it's out of gone. the game. It's gone. It's dead. It's crazy. It's dead. So I want to see how that unfolds down the stretch and in the playoffs for the Rockets. All right. You got – this is a crazy one. Andre Iguodala, who's been sitting out all season long. He hasn't played a minute, right? He got traded from the, uh, the Golden State Warriors to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. Grizzlies. He hasn't played all year. Uh, he's been waiting on a trade or a buyout. Now he's with the Miami Heat. And did they sign him to a two-year extension? Two-year, $30 million. Like what? And he hadn't even played. What? He was a role player. Well, what's happening here? It's crazy. And they traded uh, Justice Winslow to get Iguodala just to extend Iguodala. And I love AI. I do, too. I mean, I mean you, you got awesome. Jimmy Butler and Iguodala on the wings. You're pretty much going to shut them down on the defensive end. Exactly. I like that, but it's just like he ain't played for half a season. <laughs> I don't get that. He's fine. Even There's heat, nothing, even nothing heat, wrong with him. Even Heat fans are pissed. <laughs> so here's a crazy one. That's insider trading. To further illustrate how far the big man has fallen in today's game. Are we going to Detroit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one has me scratching my head. You've got Andre Drummond. Mr. Double-Double. He is leading the league in rebounding right now. By, by far. A lot. He's never played for anyone but Detroit. He he's he's verbally shook, I guess physically shook. Whatever you want to say. I, I, either way, both are equally. He, he was just saying, I've gave him a heart and soul to Detroit my whole career. He's and, been their only guy. And then now and I'm traded. Blake Griffin, There's no man. friends. There's no loyalty in the NBA. Now he is on the Cleveland Cavaliers, who also has Kevin Love under contract. Tristan Thompson under contract, <laughs> who they're trying to buy out and get rid of that contract, who they're talking about the Celtics and the Heat for Tristan Thompson. But now you've got three centers on your roster making over $20 million each. But they, they, they wanted to trade Thompson, and they didn't do it. It didn't happen. Now they're no, going to get a buy. No, no, we're just going to – you know, maybe – I don't know. I, I'll share my but thoughts But here's here. what's crazy with Drummond. Essentially, Cleveland made the deal and got him for nothing. They got him for a second rounder in 2023. I mean, and honestly, how many second rounders really make a, a, they main, don't. a main roster? 2023. So we're saying the leading rebounder, probably one of the top three best big men in the league right now, and we're, we're just giving him away because there's no room in the NBA for that type of play anymore? No, it don't, it don't fit. Doesn't fit the narrative of the NBA. It disgusts me. It disgusts me. So I can't blame the Cavaliers for making the trade. I mean, if that's all you gave up? They gave up nothing to get the guy. So I, more power to them. But I feel bad for the guy. All right, so we're, we were talking about this earlier, that we would almost any night of the week rather watch a college basketball game than an NBA game. Yeah. Because of why. Lack of defense. 100%. Fundamentals, a little bit of everything, really. So, so Drummond's that guy. Like, he's out there grinding away. Like, I'm a, I'm a glorified rebounder, I guess. I don't no, but know. Like, he's just, he gets a 2020 game. You don't bat an eye. No, he's not going to make the highlight like Russell Westbrook would. Right. But 2020, it's normal for him. 
So I feel bad for the dude. He just a uh, uh, unfortunate casualty of today's game. I would love to see, and it, you know what? If if I had the keys to the the kingdom for any any franchise, for knowing that I would lose my job probably within a couple of years, I would do it anyway. I would go out right now and I would go find the best defenders you could possibly find. You're, you're just workhorses, the guys that have that work ethic, and go beat the Flash. Get the guys that can go out there and just grind it out, mess with people. You're Patrick Beverly types, you're Andre Dum- Drummond types, and and see a ugly up a game. Jimmy Butler, you make make it make it nasty, make it hard, make it like it's 1988. You know, and just see what happens, and just see what happens. Be the outlier. It's kind of like in football. Like when the one team starts running the read option in the NFL, everybody's like, what the hell is this? And then Lamar Jackson's an MVP. And I'm not taking anything away from him. But when you're the only one doing something and not everybody's ready for it, it can be a problem. So if you're in the NBA, yeah, yeah, there might be a problem scoring. But if you were the team that everyone hated to play because I know your guys were just going to come out and bother everybody, that'd be fun to watch for me. It would get me to watch. I mean, because like you could get a team that's like – a, a mid-level, like not like big powerhouse team, and buying of it, buying this philosophy. Like, let's remember the Pistons from the right. early aughts, right? I mean, I think it'd be fun to watch because it would change things up. I couldn't imagine LeBron and AD all pampered, like walking in there and be like, "Oh, we're going to get bruised today." <laughs> like, what do you mean we can't just run up and down the court? And we're not going to have wine after the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I don't know. Anybody that wears a suit and shorts, I, I have problems with. Uh, I, I struggle with that. But, all right, so we had a few more. Uh, Marquise Morris, he was uh, being uh, heavily courted by the Lakers and the Clippers from the Knicks, and the Clippers got him. Okay. So that's another shooter and defender for the Clippers come playoff time and some flexibility when these guys take their uh, days off until then. Load management. Right. So then you have uh, the the big one for the uh, for different reasons. You had uh, D'Angelo Russell. He went from oh. Golden State to Minnesota. Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns. But on top of that, they got uh, Minnesota got back. Well, like you said, you got Carl Anthony Towns is a good matchup with him. But Wiggins never uh, lived up to his expectation and, and billing uh, of a number one pick. He's just lazy, right? He's not Anthony Bennett, but he wasn't <laughs> a number one pick either. So he was lazy. He never would put up the defensive stats, the numbers. He would kind of get his points, and that was it. Never yeah. would rebound for his size or nothing. So he went to Golden State. Golden State got him and two picks. So they get uh, the Timberwolves. That's num- the last team you want to give draft picks yeah, to. Yeah, they got the number one and their number two picks next year. And – and they're already going to get their own pick. They, they're going to get a lottery pick anyway. So that trade was more for next year for the uh, Warriors. They're just reloading now. I think they're reloading. But, I mean, you, it might be a couple years. This year, next year, they might be quiet. I mean, they may not need him to play defense in Golden State. No one plays defense there. No, you, other don't, than you don't play defense Green. anywhere. You don't have to. So, I mean, he fit. He might fit right in for them. Mm. That's that's the six moves of any kind of relevance, I think. Some smaller ones took place. Can, is there anything you can say out of these trades that can make me want to follow the NBA more than I do? Yeah, you can just feel sorry for Andre Drummond in Cleveland. I, and just watch some Cleveland Because he's a games. throwback. Yeah. yeah, I do feel bad for him. 
If he played 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he'd be a hell of a player. He's like a Rodman that can score. Yeah, right? And it's scary. He's bigger than Rodman. He puts up better, better numbers, and he's just falling by the wayside. But he's been like, has he not been their best offensive player for like the last five years? Yeah, he's been the most consistent for sure. <laughs> and he just can't shoot free throws, but he's even gotten better at that. But he's not even an offensive player. Like it's just because he rebounds so much, he gets so many opportunities. Yeah, he gets garbage points because he works at it. And everybody else on my team sucks. And I don't. It hurts me to penalize a guy like that that has the work ethic to to get the stats the hard way. Uh, so anyways, there, what I'm telling you is there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's nothing to watch here. Just keep on moving. Just keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Brown, that's another show in the books. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I was in Richmond, Virginia, but I did go golfing. I went to Drive Shack. Got some blisters on my fingers for not wearing golf clothes. You still crying about them blisters? It's almost healed up. Right. You can only kind of see it. I, got I mean, you. you you don't know the pain of golf blisters. No, I don't. You're right. Just, I mean, just batting cage baseball blisters. But I bet you wear gloves, don't you? I do now. I didn't used to. Ah, uh, whatever. I didn't. You always wore gloves. I used to uh, punk. Yeah, just grab some sand and go at it. <laughs> just spit on it. It'll be fine. Oh yeah. Were you, did you ever do the Moises Alou thing? Maybe. Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. What did he do? I don't remember. He used to pee on his hands. No, I didn't do that. Because yeah, he said it'd make him tougher. Stick it down in the bucket of pee. No, like in the shower. He said he no, went. I didn't gross. do all that. You, didn't, you don't do pee all, on your hands. I didn't in do the all shower. that. Didn't you do don't that. remember Moises Alou doing that? No. That's why they called him Moises. Is that what it was? <laughs> Moise. Moist. Moist. Moises. It's terrible. He really did that though. He peed on his hands. He said in an interview. You don't have to do that though. I won't. Anyway, uh, we had a, a, a lot of guests booked this week, but we ended up only with Dave Stevens. He was great. Uh, we should have uh, a couple people next week that we're excited to talk about, but I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to mention anything. But uh, stay tuned as we get closer to baseball season. I think it's fair to say we got some pretty big baseball names coming in, right? I'm excited for that. A lot right of up my alley right there. A lot of former uh, players, former all-stars, legends of the game have decided to grace us with their presence. So are you going to be like an excited little schoolgirl and just soil yourself? I probably will. You probably will. Because a couple <laughs> of them, some uh, former Braves. Uh, I'm going to be a little excited. All I know is that when you tell me that your wife's excited that you're talking to one of them, that's all I need to know. There you go. <laughs> but it'll be exciting, so stay tuned the next couple of weeks as we gear up for baseball season. We've been talking about baseball all winter long because the hot stove never cools down, but we're getting close. The XFL starts this weekend. NBA is starting to get closer to the playoffs. March Madness will be here before you know it. We'll be keep you know running our mouth about all that stuff. We can't wait. But, guys, we appreciate you joining us this week. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We will see you same time next week. We're out.